Hello and welcome to the Soccer Speakeasy. Today is Thursday, the 5th of November, day three of the election. I'm with uh, <laughs> Jacob Myers and Kyle Robertson, and of course our producer, Patrick Flaherty. I'm Mike Arace, and uh, we are the dispatch crew that covers the crew. And the crew is coming off a um, two to one loss, late goal, 84th minute, I believe, in Orlando. And uh, thus, they will finish the season. That was their last road game, so they will finish the season, Jacob Myers, as the first playoff team to be above the bar, obviously a playoff team that has not won a true road game. Now, they did win in Orlando, technically a, a neutral site, but the last team to make the playoffs without a true road victory was the LA Galaxy in 2003. The only caveat being right now, the Chicago Fire is the 10th place team in the East, just above the uh, playoff bar. And uh, they too have yet to win on the road. The Chicago Fire, 10th place, 22 games, five, eight, and nine. The crew in fourth place have clinched a playoff spot. They are 11, five, and six draws. And gentlemen, let's have at it. First, uh, Jacob, I'll throw it to you and we'll get something from Kyle as well on what happened in Orlando on Wednesday night. It was a lot of the same with the Philadelphia game, at least at the beginning in terms of the crew just really struggled to play out of the back. There were poorly weighted passes that created opportunities for Orlando. I looked at the first half stats. Orlando led, I believe, 10-5 in shots, and the crew had 12 more clearances than Orlando. So that shows you just how dangerous, I guess, Orlando was in, in the attack, and it really came off of the crew's poor passing in the back. So that's an issue that was brought up after the game, and Caleb Porter was really he kind of scratching his head. And we've talked about Jonathan Mensa, and we continue we can continue to talk about him because he had another poor game, but. You know, there, these are a lot of uncharacteristic plays that he's chalking up a little to fatigue. He said it's still not an excuse. I think there's a factor there, obviously, but every team's going through it. So if you're a crew fan, I think you're a little nervous right now going into the last game and, and this is <laughs> happening again. They, they allowed that first goal. It was the sixth straight row game. They've done that. They were able to come back and tie it after a controversial red card. But the last 25 minutes there were so really awful. I mean, they, they just could not generate the offense you need up a man and, and just didn't seem to have any identity of what they're supposed to do up a man. Mike, you and I talked about this before the podcast, but of course, the on paper up, up a man, it, it seems easier to score, but the opponent pack it in. Still, you're, you should have more of the ball than the crew did. It's disappointing to do that. Kyle, they're uh, a 2-5-2. Two, in their last nine games as they head into their final game of the season, their last home game of the regular season. That is against the Atlanta United, 3.30 on Sunday afternoon. You know, we kind of hit or gently pressed an alarm button a couple games ago just because their vaunted defense, uh, which has been a hallmark of their team right through the third week of September, hasn't been there and they've, they've had they've struggled scoring but the defense was always there in any case two five and two uh, in their last nine what gives you pause and what are your thoughts coming out of wednesday 
Well, I mean, I guess the, if you want to look on the bright side, I mean, they, they end at home and, and, and potentially the, the first uh, playoff game will be at home. So hopefully they can maybe get something going at home and kind of continue that, you know, throughout the playoffs. But other than that, man, it was last night. It seemed like it was almost, uh, you know, everyone was everyone was like a jackal hide type of thing. I mean, you got a uh, room, you know, that's making great saves and then gives up a, a five hole to the end where he try. I think he was trying to make the kick save, which I think he did earlier on on one of the shots, uh, you know, I think 20 to 30 minutes before that. And then you got awful with the, just the, you know, the terrible pass and, and four touches later it's in the back of the net. But then he comes out and scores a banger <laughs> right when they have the man, uh, you know, the man advantage. So. I don't know what to make. I mean, I think I think crew fans are probably pretty frustrated with this team. And, you know, I, I don't think they know what they're going to get game in and game out now. Uh, Jacob, we should mention and we haven't recorded uh, in the interim since their previous game. And that was uh, on Sunday. And that was a two to one victory and a stellar performance at home by the goalkeeper, Eloy Room. Um, if not for him, it, it, uh, it could have got out of hand. But they needed that win. They got it against Philadelphia. Uh, they they uh, kept Philadelphia from from clinching the Supporters' Shield on their cruise home turf. Just a couple thoughts about that game and how you viewed it in terms of are they getting through this fatigue? Are they turning some things around? Uh, are they generating enough offense? Are they sorting things out defensively? This is all the same things we've been talking about for, for this last two months. Yeah, I think the short answer would be no. Uh, But in the same sense, in that Philadelphia game, I think you saw what a team has to do in the postseason to advance against really good teams, being that it was completely against the play when Artur scored that opening goal. They were able to get some magic off the bench in Luis Diaz and Christian Namath to go ahead. I, I really think the story was poor goalkeeping with Joe Bendick, who is the uh, backup for Philly versus Aloy Room, who is certainly making his case now for for goalkeeper of the year in MLS with, with a couple saves against Orlando as well. But yeah, I just saw that as the crew did what they needed to do to pull out a, a, a victory they needed. However, they, they certainly weren't the better team. Now we have, uh, we have Atlanta United coming in. They're just below the bar as difficult as this season has been for them, and they've won six games and had four draws in 22, and, and they're minus six is their differential. As difficult as this season's been for them, and it and schadenfreude for everywhere else, they are playing for something here, Jacob. This is a, a huge game for them. And what is uh, what is the coach saying about their the crew's approach to this game, and what are the players talking about? Yeah, the first question I asked to Caleb Porter last night was, and he kind of got to it before I had asked, but, you know, let's take a step back at the beginning of the year with before COVID and everything that has made this year uh, so different in so many ways. But if you would have said the crew would be in position to have a home playoff game on the very last day of the year, I think a lot of fans, if not everyone would take that and say, it's been a solid year, but where they were 14 games into the year, in first place, and now they find themselves needing a result in this last game just to get a top four spot. I, I asked, what's the disappointment like? And he was very diplomatic, saying, I don't think they can get disappointed right now. They missed an opportunity last night, he said. He said, we're up a man 1-1. We got to win the game. So I, I think that's 
completely spot on and, and they're right to just kind of move forward because you know what what's done is done but looking at orlando philadelphia those teams play and i know the crew gifted a lot of opportunities to both of those teams but man the way they move the ball just looks so much like the crew in the beginning of the season and nowhere near what we've seen in the past few games so i, I think there's a clear separation right now between those two teams you do have the two weeks before the postseason to maybe get some of that chemistry we've talked about for a bit and, and rest some guys up. I think that will play a big factor, but just dealing with the day game against Atlanta, it has to be three points, no question. But I think it's good for them. I think it's it's good. They need to play, you know, their best. Atlanta's coming in, you know, needing to get the, you know, the win. And I think it's good, you know, if, if they weren't struggling so much, you know, I'd say, yeah, you know, sub, you know, sub some guys out, put your second team out there, get some playing experience, get some rest. But, you know, the thing is, is, you know, they have guys that are coming back and they're and it's not they're not 100 uh, percent. You know, their health is probably 100 percent. But the just the the form I, I was, you know, Nagmi didn't look like he was earlier, you know, Zarda, you know, those guys just need to, you know, put forth a really good effort in Atlanta and hopefully that can kind of get them going um, into the, in the right direction. And I think, you know, I think the players, you know, will look forward to actually, you know, Hey, you know, Atlanta's going to come in here and, and, you know, they need to win. So, you know, we need to win. And I, and I think, you know, that's one way to look at it. I mean, I don't know how, if you're a crew fan house, you look at it, you know, going into the playoffs, I think it's just the quality has been so poor in the past few weeks, and it really came out. And and what we heard after the game is the way Caleb Porter told it is one thing he emphasized to this group was they wanted offensively to extend the Orlando back line, have them drop off a bit by some balls over the top. Then that would drop Orlando's back line, and you could play through Pedro Nagby and Lucas Elrayon in the middle, advance the ball to the attacking third. But one thing he told him not to do was to make these little passes from the backline defenders to the holding mids in the middle of the field because Orlando jumps on that. And that's what they did the entire game. It, it was honestly like the game plan they had. They just either forgot about it or what have you. I think that certainly can chalk it up to mental, I don't know, preparation, fatigue, what have you. But it's not what you need going into the postseason. Kyle, should they be tired? Are they still tired? When can they stop being tired? After the regular season, you got some time to rest up, you know, but the thing is, so they, everyone... They, they could be tired on Sunday. Yeah, I, I think every team should be... I mean, I think every ti- every team's going to be tired. I mean... Yeah, <laughs> you know? you're right. It's every um, team. Yeah, I mean, yeah, they got an, a, an extra there's game t- in there. Wait, to re- all I'm saying is there's some tired teams that win and some tired teams that lose. Yeah, correct. And uh, as everyone's gotten tired, uh, the crew is two five and two. I I'm just yeah. I, I'm being kind of a jerk about it, but uh, no, I'm no, sorry. that's I'm completely accurate. <laughs> feels pretty level to me. Anyway, Kyle, please continue. Oh no, I was just gonna say like you know you're talking about playing the long balls. You know, hey, that's great when you know. But if you're if you're if the other team's down a man, you don't need to play the long balls across field to change up or looking for the you know the the odd man rush. You know, you have an open guy somewhere. So you know, I think uh, you know um, you know I saw at least three or four times. You know, they were trying to play that 30 yard ball cross, you know, from the right to left or left to right or back right up to the, you know, to the left side. And, and then, then they had to get taken away. So, I mean, I thought that was, yeah, 
follow the game plan up to a certain point. But when a you know another team loses a guy for 40 minutes, I think you got to change it a little bit. And I don't and I don't think they necessarily you know change. And then also that you know they didn't play well. They didn't attack like you know they were they they played like they were up to nothing and they lost the man. You know, so to me, they weren't the aggressor. And I think I think that comes down to coaching there. All right. Well, uh, once again, we're, we'll see what they got. I mean, and that's kind of been, OK, this happened and that was a problem and you're tired. And then the skid continues and you're tired. And then this guy's out and that guy's out. And maybe you're not as deep as you thought you were and you're tired. And throughout this process, uh, we've, we've kind of been challenged the same way, like, Okay, well, what do you have this Sunday or this Saturday or this Wednesday? And we'll see what they have this Sunday and and, uh, whether it portends well into a two week break prior to the playoffs. Well, one thing we know, Jacob, is uh, is it's going to be a uh, a mad dash this weekend. uh, Decision day Sunday. Uh, I'm happy for one. The crew's playing early to to get the lay of the land as the day goes on, because in this uh, strange season of refigured conferences, there's 14 teams in the East and only one Cincinnati has been eliminated to this point. So Atlanta is one of those teams that has uh, a lot on the line, but they're one of many teams with a lot on the line. And we talked about what's what's up with the crew and that uh, they really could use three points to make sure they have uh, they stay in the top four. And out in the West, Jacob, the number of the teams are set, although the playoff order is not necessarily. Of the 12 teams in the West, four of them are eliminated. Vancouver's out, Galaxy's out, uh, Real Salt Lake is out, and the Houston Dynamo's out. So officially, you know, we hate to mention such things. In this uh, bad this skid the crew is, is on, um, lost to one. They've lost to two teams that have been eliminated, two, two teams out of the five that have been eliminated to, from the playoffs. So let's see what they got. Let's see how they turn it around. What's the best case for the crew uh, this Sunday, Jacob? Um, have you uh, have you done the homework on that? Yeah, I can run scenarios. Uh, first, I'll, I'll, I'll say, and you're right to point out, Mike, because uh, I just wrote about it today, so it's fresh in my mind. They, they can keep saying, you know, they're tired, fatigued. Every team's dealing with it. They need to put up results. So, so you're absolutely right there uh the the res- the scenarios here for the crew a win you have a home playoff uh, if you draw or lose against atlanta if you're a crew fan what you're hoping for is Ooh. for new york city who's currently in fifth place to drop points against the chicago fire they're at chicago chicago i believe is battling here for a playoff spot so that could be a tight game, and that's certainly one to keep an eye on. The crew can finish at best in third place. To do that, they will need to win, and Orlando would then have to lose. Both those teams would be tied in points at 41 points, and the crew would have the first tiebreaker with one more win than Orlando. So that's where they are right now. I believe i don't have the standings in front of me i'll pull them up but i believe the crew can finish no worse than fifth. yes no worse than fifth place and that's only if they lose or draw and new york beats chicago in that scenario new york in, in a draw against atlanta in a new york win they would be tied in points but new york would have the tiebreaker and have a home playoff game against the crew in the first round so if you're looking at potential, if the crew are in third place, somehow jump Orlando, they would likely play New England at home. If they're 
anywhere outside of that fourth or fifth will likely play New York. Well, who do you like there, Kyle? <laughs> uh, I think you like it if the crew has the home, a home game. <laughs> period. Yeah. All right. period. Jacob, you did the right thing finally and solicited some questions. Uh, what have you got for us? Kyle, you got any there? Or how, how do you guys want to do uh, Yeah. All right. Here's one question. At one point in time, the midfield was a strength. Well, I have none of the tactics changed to account for it. I see a lot of standing around at the edges of the TV, of the TV with zero or one player battling four defenders. I think the crew is extremely confident in their style of play. And at least what has been said to us, and I believe they're confident in it, is it's taking time for that chemistry to rebuild. Now, I will say it has taken way longer than I expected, as you mentioned, Kyle. Although, if you look statistically, like Nagby and Zellerayon are doing okay, but they're, I would call them non-factors, essentially, in the game. Teams are mitigating them. They haven't had an assist or a goal. Nagby did play a role in the awful goal against Orlando, but... To me, I just think the crew is confident in the way they play, and I don't expect them to change their tactics much. You did see them change it against New York New York City at home when they decided, well, without Nagby and Zellerayon, we're better without the ball, and they ended up winning 3-1. So now in the year that Portland won MLS Cup, Porter did change some of their tactics late. Been on this run, and I don't need to spell out what happened that season to crew fans, obviously. But he has done this in the past, is, is what I'm saying. So I wouldn't rule it out, but I'm also confident that they're not going to change. Kyle, what do you say right. that? I mean, yeah. obviously, nag me out for an extended yeah. period hurt them. Because uh, Artur is just not the same player without Nagby to play yeah. off of. You know, that's that's one thing that seems fairly obvious. You know, more than that, sort of breaking down tactics. The bothersome thing to me has been the lack of energy. You know, we mentioned it like in the Cincinnati loss down there. You know, they didn't show anything until until Aiden, young Aiden came yeah. off the bench. You know, it's like... Uh, He's the only one that has it. <laughs> so so it's like, uh, that. that's what's bothersome to me. And that's been a thread throughout this. I guess you can chalk that up to we're tired, we're tired. But uh, the verve, the energy, the spunk... Show a little spunk. You yeah, know, that's a good word, Mike. Yeah. Yeah, spunk. I think it's a little bit to do with just kind of guys kind of playing a little bit out of position and kind of just playing around. I mean, obviously, when you have Pedro in there in the middle, it's a little bit of a different style, um, even though he tries to kind of keep it the same, you know, but I think he's a more uh, run and gun type of guy. But I think it just, you know, the consistency thing. They ha- I mean, they, it's been uh, – it has been changing the last, what, 10 to 14 games, just constantly, you know, um, there's nothing kind of consistent about anything in the midfield. Pedro is a run and gun guy who dribbles right into the defender. <laughs> is that a tweet? All right, Kyle, what do you got next? All right. There's another question that kind of uh, goes off that um, could also um, some of the midfielders uh, problems be a byproduct of our tour playing higher than usual and not being a, the outlet uh, for the back line. No, I think it's what Mike said about nag in there. I actually think they've been way better in the attack when our tour is playing higher. He has said several times and Porter has said it as well that with Nagby out, because Artur was playing with a Sebastian Berhalter or 
Davis because Fatai Lache was hurt a couple times. Artur would then have to drop and play deeper on the field and, and couldn't get up. I mean, you saw in the New York City game, for example, he essentially created that first goal, and I thought he was the best player on the field in that game. That's one of the two wins that the crew has in these last nine games. So, no, I actually think the opposite. I think having him higher is better offensively. Now, you also need Nagby to... I I just don't know what's going on with Nagby right now, to be quite honest. He just doesn't seem to have that same impact. Maybe it's just teams limiting him more, although he's completing just about all his passes. So that, that one's a little puzzling to me, but I think having Artur higher in some runs he makes in the box make the crew more of a dynamic offensive threat. Yeah, it's like Nagby was their MVP through, um, you know, basically the whole summer. And uh, since he got hurt, they need Eloy Room to be their MVP. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Kyle, what do you got next? All right. Should the crew give Mensa or any other player on the back line a day off on Sunday? Guy you know, needs a reset slash recharge. It's true. He's, he, you know, he's been so good, and not just this year. This year he was great earlier in the season. Um, but you know, he broke in and he had his difficulties. But you know, he, we're talking about him as possible defender of the year not too long ago, uh, maybe six weeks ago. And boy, he's had a couple really tough games. Jacob, what what have you been able to discern there in in your contact with the team and the coaching staff? Yeah, I asked about it last night after Caleb Porter had mentioned just some of these decisions people, some of these guys are making. It's so unlike them, therefore he has to think it has some fatigue. And to me, that was like, okay, that's definitely about, not specifically about Jonathan, but it's about him because look at some of these passes he has made. It's completely unlike what we saw earlier in the years on the philly game he was just he's a wonderful man he's a terrific player he was had a really bad day uh, against philly here i mean he was just unrecognizable yeah the the answer i got was he's just tired he's played so many minutes it's really difficult more than you think Uh, they did want to rotate him with josh Williams back and that's obviously tough to do with subbing out a center back they actually played nagby and celerayon longer than they initially wanted. So I'm curious how that will play into this match against Atlanta. But I don't think it would be a bad thing to give him some rest. They do have those two weeks, obviously, before the postseason. But the guy has played all every minute of every game. If he's not the only player in MLS to do that, one of very few. Yeah, that has its consequences. And unfortunately, that it's coming out in the worst way at the worst time. Josh Williams would certainly help. That's uh, better in steady presence. Um, and he can eat some minutes for sure. It's, but it's, speaking of Josh Williams, Jacob, has the league announced any new suspensions for no reason stated whatsoever? No, and I have never heard back from the league on any additional reason what league rules Josh Williams violated for the four-game suspension. The double secret probation expense, suspension. They, they need a, a new category, I guess. Yeah. Kyle, anything else? This is a two-part question from two different folks, um, but it's about the same topic. So the first question is, where did the aggressive high press go? And then the second one is, isn't it better to press the attack and create three quality chances out of 20 than two quality chances out of five when our defenders can't reliably hold onto the ball? Why don't we go forward? It's a good question. Cause when they were good early in the season, uh, especially uh, before the, uh, 
I think right into the MLS's back tournament, they would seek possession up to midfield and then and then press up. And they liked taking away the ball and going quick counters. Uh, and we've seen very little of that in the last couple of months, at least to my eye. Jacob, questions, comments? I got a question. Are you sitting out on a highway right now? Yeah. <laughs> uh, my street's kind of busy. <laughs> I'll mute and take your call off the air. <laughs> First time caller, long time listener. No, I, I think the press has definitely not been as prevalent as it was early on. I still think they, they want to press. To be honest, I haven't been watching that too closely. An eye on it moving forward, but that is still very much a part of their identity. I think when they weren't doing it, it had a lot to do with the guys that were in there now having their full lineup back. I, I do expect them, especially in the postseason, when you know it's one turnover could could lead to a one 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 zero game and you advance. So I, I do expect them to continue to do that. And that that person's right. The crew was better when they were doing that. You would like to see them get back to it and see what type of impact right. that has on them getting back to their offensive strengths. But I also don't think you could. I don't. I also don't think you can high press with Zardes for a full game if he's just coming back from an injury. You know, he's not completely 100% fit or at the peak. So I think that's also probably changing some of the tactics. Yeah, and I wouldn't be surprised to see him have a shorter shift in this game on Monday as well. Yeah. Kyle, is this a team that can play different styles? <sighs> oh, they need play to different do styles if you have players. different people in the lineup. <laughs> Sorry, Jacob. I talked over yeah. you. No, you're fine. I was going to say they need to try to do one style well before they go to any others. Yeah, yeah I, I think they have different styles, but it's a it's a result of having different people in different places. I don't I don't I don't think they can go from a running gun to a you know possession to a you know I you know I think you got to go with what got you here so far at this point in the season so all right Jacob that leads to the nut of the matter and I think the meat of the question being asked and that is if, if everyone's back and healthy which uh, you know I think we we tend to forget how how important Wormhor was when they were when they were uh, probably at their peak but in any case they have everyone back what is their style when they're healthy what do they have to do to be successful when they're healthy? What's their best game? You need to go quickly through Nagby and Zellerayon, move the ball around to your wingers, and then once you lose the ball, press and try to win the ball in the front half and go from there. That That is what they wow. have been good at. Well, Kyle, can they assert themselves against quality competition? Can they assert their style against quality competition? I don't think so. I, I think the I just don't think they can do it with, you know, against the, you know, the big guys, you know, the, you know, the Toronto's, the, you know, because they're going to be on the road. You know, they're a different team on the road. I don't think they can. I think it's going to be a daunting task for them to make a, a true run in the playoffs because they don't have the home field advantage. Here we go. We've, we've solved absolutely nothing, although I <laughs> yeah. think Patrick's figured it out and he hasn't said anything yet. All right, Kyle, what's the next question? If you could talk about the stadium and uh, anything about the youth or academy programs. So the stadium, they, the other day during the Philly game, they released what I think they had been doing to season ticket holders for a while. But to the public now through the Crew Stadium site, they have like a seat finder or a seat viewer. You can view, I guess, where pick a seat in the new stadium and you can view what the sight lines are going to be. It looks like a cool tool. I have not quite used it yet i have seen it in use so that that's something 
pretty interesting. They're trying to get new people into the new stadium. As far as the academy, I, I don't really keep up with them, but I'm excited to kind of see this training field and training practice facility advance and expect that to open in June. The seating thing and, and the new stadium rendering, so we're plugged on ABC at halftime on Sunday, the Philadelphia game uh, on Sunday. So that was pretty good PR. I mean, we're not want to say the league is good with PR or even the crew, but that was pretty good PR. We got what two we got? left here. Do any of you two know anything about the 2021 season start? If it's going to be the usual early March, late February, or will things kind of change a bit because of COVID and what's going on in the United States? Yeah, I'm sure at the moment, like a lot of things, a lot of different leagues and and certainly in determining you know whether or not when they open this new stadium, if they'll be allowed to be at full capacity, it depends a lot on what the numbers are like at that point and various other factors. So I don't know when it will start, but I do know this. And in case people didn't read it in a story around the one year anniversary piece on groundbreaking that the plan right now, if it's a regular 34 game season that starts late February, early March, the crew is aiming to have up to 13 of 17 home games in the new stadium. So they are definitely going to make sure to have as many as possible. They're hoping to have up to 13 once the new stadium opens in July. All right. And then the last question we'll end with, it says, with Sinclair removing Fox Regional Sports Network from a lot of streaming services, do the crew have any plans for the cord cutters out there? Oh, you know what? I'm in this boat, too, because, uh, I mean, I rely on YouTube TV, and Fox went dark on October 1st. And, uh, geez, if, if uh, there's no crew or blue jackets on, my wife will probably move out, you know what I mean? Which would be bad for the kids. So I, I'd like to know something about this, too. Jacob, this is something we ought to look into, because I want YouTube for one. And, Kyle, we ran into this with Big Ten Network and their war with AT&T probably 10 years ago when, when that was getting off the ground. It's a nasty thing. They just let the pressure build both sides and before they finally cut a deal. And like in terms of YouTube, I don't know where that's at. This Sinclair business, Jacob, is new to me. Do we know anything about this? I knew of YouTube TV and I believe Hulu TV. There could be others and you can add to it at the end here, Kyle. But I, I knew of these regional sports networks not being able to come to an agreement with Sinclair I'm also a streamer, but I haven't been uh, affected too much. So if you've if you've seen my game in-game tweets being a little behind some regular action, uh, that would be because I'm a little behind with the with the streaming. But oh, it's not because you're slow. I, I am I am also slow. I'm just a little fatigued, Mike. That's all. Yeah, this you know this is a, this is an interesting thing. Yeah, I, I we should look into it. I have seen yeah. Sporting Kansas City and maybe some other signal publicly that they're looking into other options. I have not seen the crew do that yet, so uh, we'll, we'll check on that. I think it would be interesting if, the, if, if, if MLS teams kind of come up with something kind of creative or come up with their own, you know, their own stream and charge a certain amount of money if they can kind of recoup, um, you know, or if they're even allowed to. Um, you know, something for um, for the people, because I think this is going to be a kind of a problem kind of moving forward. Well, they, oh, could, get, they could get rid of their stupid black mark, in-game yeah. market blackouts. I, I mean, not every league has that, but I think ESPN Plus is a good option, and I like a lot of the products on there. It's like, I think, five, I think it's five ninety nine a month, but 
I they mean, black out. Look, yeah. I it's, the league's, it's the league's blackout rules. And so, like, yeah. you know, my thing is, it's like, does the MLS want the exposure? Mm, yeah. If they do, uh, I mean, I'm paying for all kinds of services. I'm ready to plug the cable back in at this point. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, but do they, they, they should want the exposure. Yeah. And so, especially during this period, of, this era in our history, when we're all at home, you know, I, I don't get it. It's politics and money, and uh, I don't know why leagues don't step in and make these things easier. I think it's short-sighted. And that's it for the questions, Kyle? Yep. Jacob, do you want to you wanna say anything before we sign off here? I'll add one thing. Uh, Stephen Goff at the Washington Post tweeted earlier this week that Ezra Hendrickson, a crew former crew player and current crew assistant, has interviewed for the D.C. United job. I have not independently confirmed that, but Goff is a very reliable source on that. So just something to watch. And Scalotto's available now, Kyle. <laughs> As a number 10. Oh, <laughs> oh goodness. Oh, maybe you go play with the uh, Higuaines down in Miami. Yes, there we go. Anyway, that is uh, it for uh, this week's edition or you know, one of this week's editions of... Uh, yeah, we'll do one after the game. We'll, we'll try to do these more regularly, too, leading up to the play. Or at least I would like to. Mike, if I'll, you'd like to participate, I'd love to have you. I don't, I don't like you enough. I'll do them with Kyle. <laughs> yeah. uh, Next time we'll all be outside. <laughs> oh, we're, we're all just having good fun. Yes, we'll, we will... Uh, let's catch up Sunday night, gentlemen. Um, and Patrick will, will be available to me and the Captain Kirk chair. For the Podfather, Patrick Clarity, and for Kyle Robertson at K Rob Photo, for Jacob Myers, who has uh, changed his Twitter handle to underscore JC Myers. Okay, that's pretty cool, I guess. Check out all of Jacob's work at dispatch.com. There's plenty of it there. It's a nice body of work, if I do say so myself. I'm not one to compliment anyone, especially Kyle. Uh, so that's it. I'm proudly out here. Let's get out of here. Patrick, kick us out of here.